0: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Legacy of Queens. Tonight, we're going to be looking at, according to the biographer Mason B. Williams, his close collaboration with Roosevelt's New Deal proved a striking success in linking national money and local needs. And this person enabled the political recognition of new groups that had been largely excluded from the political system, such as Jews and Italians. His administration in cooperation with Robert Moses gave New York its modern infrastructure. His farsighted goals raised ambitions for new levels of urban possibility. And according to Thomas Kessner, trends since his tenure mean that people would be afraid of allowing anyone to take that kind of power. Tonight, we look at the 99th mayor of New York City and the man that helped Robert Moses give New York its modern infrastructure. Fiorello H. LaGuardia is on episode three of The Legacy of Queens. Tonight, for Friday, July 24th, 2020. you very much. Ah, you're so kind. Ah, thank you. Oh, wonderful audience tonight. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Legacy of Queens. I'm your host, Jason Decanio. It is episode three on this Friday, July 24th, 2020. This is our third week of Legacy episodes, and we're doing fantastic. We've run into some problems and some issues with things, but we're trying to figure out the best way to present the information to you, especially dealing with people of the past who have passed away and passed on without desecrating anything that they have done over the past 100-plus years of their time here on the Earth. When you talk about people, it is a touchy subject because what we share about that person has tremendous consequences, and what we want to do here on The Legacy of Queens is. Report to you what they actually did good, despite the fact of their harsh criticism by others. We here on this program, with this particular series and the Queens New Yorker on the same channel, want this to be a positive experience and inform you on what this person, who we tribute each week, what they did to make New York more modern from the past to the present to the future. And that's what we're looking at today. And tonight, this person, the 99th mayor of New York City, glorious in all of his wonderful things that he has done, even named an airport after him. How wonderful it is to know that you are now named after an airport after the legacy you have left. Who am I talking about? Fiorello H. LaGuardia. And he is our topic tonight on the Legacy of Queens episode number three. So let's look at Fiorello H. LaGuardia's life, career, and how it all started. He was born in Greenwich Village in New York City. His father, Achille LaGuardia, was a Catholic from Sen- Saragola, Italy. And his mother, Irene Luzato Cohn, was a Jewish woman from Triste, then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. His maternal grandmother, Fiorina Luziato Cohen, was a Luzardo, member of the prestigious Sephardic Italian Jewish family of scholars Cabalists and poets, and had among her ancestors the famous Rabbi Samuel David Luzado. It was in Trieste that Achille LaGuardia met and married Irene. Fiorello LaGuardia was raised an Episcopalian and practiced that religion all his life. His middle name, Enrico, was angelicized to Henry when he was a child. And he moved to Arizona with his family, where his father had a bandmaster position at Fort Whipple in the U.S. Army. Remember, all of our information comes from the Wikipedia, pictures by the Wikimedia, if any. Now, LaGuardia attended public schools and high school in Prescott, Arizona. And after his father was discharged from his bandmaster position in 1898, Fiorella left in Trist. He graduated from the Dwight School, a private school in the Upper West Side of New York City. LaGuardia joined the State Department and served in U.S. consulates in Budapest, Chist, which was Austria-Hungary, is now Italy, and Fiume, Fium, Austria-Hungary, now Rizik, or Croatia. Now, he returned to the United States to continue his education at New York University. And from 1907 to 1910, he worked as an interpreter for the U.S. Bureau of Immigration at the Ellis Island Immigration Station. He graduated from New York University School of Law in 1910, was admitted to the bar the same year, and began a law practice in New York City. LaGuardia married twice, and his first wife was Thea Almagara Almerigotti. She was an Istrian immigrant, whom he married on March 8th, Nineteen nineteen, and in June of nineteen twenty, they had a daughter, Fioretta Thea, who died May ninth, nineteen twenty-one, of spinal meningitis. His first wife died of tuberculosis on November twenty-ninth, nineteen twenty-one, at the age of twenty-six. In nineteen twenty-nine, he married Marie Fisher, who had been his secretary while in Congress, and they adopted two children, Eric Henry. He was born in nineteen thirty, a Hobart College graduate who became a professor at the University of Washington, and the biological daughter of Thea's sister, Jeanne-Marie, a Bernard College graduate who later became an editor of Mademoiselle. LaGuardia became Deputy Attorney General of New York in January of 1915. In 1916, he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, where he had a reputation as a fiery and devoted reformer. As a representative, LaGuardia represented an ethnically, ethnically diverse slum district in East Harlem. And although barred from important committee posts because of his political independence, he was a tireless and vocal champion of progressive causes. LaGuardia took office on March 4th, 1917, but was soon was commissioned into the United States Army Air Service he rose to the rank of major in command of a unit of CA-44 bombers of the Italian-Austrian front in World War I, and he resigned his seat in Congress on December 31st, 1919. He served as senior advisor to President Herbert Huber from 1930 to 1933. In 1919, LaGuardia was chosen to run as the Republican candidate for the office of president of the New York City Board of Aldermen. His Democratic opponent was Robert L. Moran, an alderman from the Bronx who had succeeded to the board presidency in 1918 when Alfred E. Smith, who had been elected board president in 1917, became governor. Michael Dynamite Mike Kelly, commander of New York's 3rd Shamrock Battalion, also joined the race. Tammany Hall looked with alarm upon Kelly's entrance into the campaign and tried to persuade him to withdraw his candidacy and throw his support behind Moran. When he refused, Tammany went to the New York Supreme Court and successfully sued to keep Kelly's name off the ballot. When Election Day arrived, over 3,500 of Kelly's supporters wrote Kelly's name on the ballot. This number was sufficient to defeat Moran, who lost to LaGuardia by 1,363 votes. As the son of Italian immigrants and an interpreter on Ellis Island between 1907 and 1910, LaGuardia had experienced how immigration policies affected the families that came to the United States. And he wanted a change for the immigrants, especially with the immigrant medical examinations that took place on Ellis Island. His passion for justice among immigrants and his ability to speak Italian, Yiddish and Croatian helped him in his endeavor for justice amongst immigrant factory workers and set him on his path in public service. Running as a Republican, LaGuardia won a seat in Congress from the Italian stronghold of East Harlem in 1922 and served in the House until March 3rd of 1933. A leading liberal reformer, LaGuardia sponsored labor legislation and rallied against immigration quotas. His major legislation was the Norris-LaGuardia Act co-sponsored with Nebraska Senator George Norris in 1932. It circumvented Supreme Court limitations on, on the activities of labor unions, especially at those limitations were imposed between the enactment of the Clayton Antitrust Act in 1914 and the end of the 1920s. Based on the theory that the lower courts are creations not of the Constitution but of Congress, and that Congress, therefore, has wide power in defining and restricting their jurisdiction, the act forbids issuance of injunctions to sustain anti-union contracts of employment and to prevent ceasing or refusing to perform any work or remain in any relation of employment or to restrain acts generally constituting components, parts of strikes, boycotts, and picketing it also said courts could no longer enforce yellow dog contracts, which are labor contracts prohibiting a worker from joining a union. Never an isolationist. He supported using American influence abroad on behalf of democracy or for national independence or against autocracy or autocracy. Thus he supported the Irish independence movement and the anti tsarist Russian revolution in 1917, but did not approve of Vladimir Lenin. Unlike most progressive colleagues, such as Norris, LaGuardia consistently backed internationalism, speaking in favor of the League of Nations and the Interparliamentary Union, as well as peace and disarmament conferences. Domestic policies, he tended toward socialism, and he wanted to nationalize and regulate. However, he was never close to the Socialist Party, and never bothered to read Karl Marx. As a congressman, LaGuardia was a tireless and vocal champion of progressive causes, from allowing more immigration and removing U.S. troops from Nicaragua to speaking up for the rights and livelihoods of striking miners, impoverished farmers, oppressed minorities, and struggling families. And he fought for progressive income taxes, greater government oversight of Wall Street and national employment insurance for workers idled by the Great Depression. LaGuardia was one of the first Republicans to voice his opinion about prohibition, urging that the dry cause would prove disastrous in the long run. This was breaking a taboo given the fact that both parties avoided taking a stand on prohibition issues at the time. And as a Republican, LaGuardia had to support Harding in 1920. He had to be silent in the 1928 campaign, although he favored Al Smith, a Democrat. Walker and his Irish Tammany Hall were forced out of office by scandal, and LaGuardia was determined to replace him. First, he had to win the nomination of both the Republican Party and also the Fusion Group of Independents. He was not the first choice of either, for they distrusted Italians. On the other hand, LaGuardia had enormous determination, high visibility, the support of reformer Samuel C. Berry, and the ability to ruin the prospects of any rival by a divisive primary contest. He secured the nominations and expected an easy win against hapless incumbent Mayor John P. O'Brien. However, at the last minute, Joseph V. McKee entered the race as the nominee of the new recovery party. McKee was a formidable opponent because... He was sponsored by Bronx Democratic boss Edward J. Flynn and apparently was opposed by President Franklin Roosevelt. LaGuardia made corruption his main issue, and the campaign saw slung three ways, with LaGuardia denounced as a far-left red, O'Brien as a pawn of the bosses, and McKee as an anti-Semite. LaGuardia's win was based on the complex coalition of regular Republicans, mostly middle-class German-Americans, in the boroughs outside Manhattan. A minority of reform-minded Democrats, socialists, and a large portion of middle-class Jews, and the great majority of Italians. The Italians had been loyal to Tammany; Their switch proved decisive. Laquardia came to office in January of 1934 with five main goals. Restore the financial health and break free from the banker's control. Expand the federally funded work relief program for the unemployed. End corruption in government and racketeering in key sectors of the economy. Replace patronage with a merit-based civil service with high prestige. Modernize the infrastructure, especially transportation and parks. He achieved most of the first four goals in his first hundred days, as FDR gave him 20% of the entire national CWA budget for work relief. LaGuardia then collaborated closely with Robert Moses, with support from the governor, Democrat Herbert Lehman, to upgrade the decaying infrastructure. And the city was favored by the New Deal in terms of funding for public works projects. 1935 a riot took place on in in Harlem, termed the Harlem Riot of 1935, has been described as the first modern race riot because it was committed primarily against property rather than persons. Mayor LaGuardia commissioned a study of the causes of the riot and a detailed report was prepared. The report identified injustices of discrimination in employment, the aggressions of the police, and the racial segregation as conditions which led to the outbreak of rioting. However, the mayor shelved the committee's report, and he did not make it public. The report would be unknown except that a black New York newspaper, the Amsterdam News, subsequently published it in serial form. LaGuardia governed in an uneasy alliance with New York Jews and liberal WASPs together with ethnic Italians and Germans. LaGuardia was not an Orthodox Republican. He also ran as the nominee of the American Labor Party, a union-dominated anti tammany left-wing group that supported Franklin D. Roosevelt for president beginning in 1936. LaGuardia supported Roosevelt, chairing the Committee of Independent Voters for Roosevelt and Wallace with Senator George Norris during the 1940 presidential election. LaGuardia was the city's first Italian-American mayor, but was not a typical Italian New Yorker. He was a Republican Episcopalian who had grown up in Arizona and had a Tristine Jewish mother and a lapsed Catholic father. He spoke several languages working when working at Ellis Island. He was a certified as an interpreter for Italian, German, Yiddish, and Croatian. And it served him well during a contentious congressional campaign in 1922. When Henry Frank, a Jewish opponent accused him of anti-Semitism. LaGuardia rejected the suggestion that he publicly disclosed that his mother was Jewish as self-serving. Instead, LaGuardia dictated an open letter in Yiddish that was also printed in Yiddish. In it, he challenged Frank to publicly and openly debate the issues of the campaign entirely in the Yiddish language. Frank, although he was Jewish, could not speak the language and was forced to decline and lost the election. LaGuardia loathed the gangsters who brought a negative stereotype and shame to the Italian community. His first action as mayor was to order the chief of police to arrest mob boss Lucky Luciano on whatever charges could be found. LaGuardia then went after the gangsters with a vengeance, stating in a radio address to the people of New York in his high-pitched squeaky voice, let's drive the bums out of town. And in 1934, he went on a search-and-destroy mission looking for mob boss Frank Costello's slot machines, which LaGuardia executed with gusto, rounding up thousands of the one-armed bandits, swinging a sledgehammer and dumping them off a barge into the water for the newspapers and media. In 1935, LaGuardia appeared at the Bronx Terminal Market to institute a citywide ban on the sale, display, and possession of artichokes, whose prices were inflated by mobs. When prices went down, the ban was lifted. And in 36, LaGuardia had special prosecutor Thomas E. Dewey, future Republican presidential candidate, single out Lucky Luciano for prosecution. Dewey had a, led a successful investigation into Luciano's lucrative prostitution operation, eventually sending Luciano to jail with a 30 to 50 year sentence. The case was made into the 1937 movie Marked Woman, starring Betty Davis. LaGuardia proved successful in shutting down the burlesque theaters, whose shows offended his sensibilities. LaGuardia's admirers credit him, among other things, with restoring the economic or the economy of New York City during and after the Great Depression. He is given credit for many massive public work programs administered by his public, powerful parks commissioner, Robert Moses, which employed thousands of voters the mayor's relentless lobbying for federal funds allowed New York to develop its economic infrastructure. And to obtain large-scale federal money, the mayor became a close ally of Roosevelt and New Deal agencies such as the CWA, PWA, and WPA, which poured $1.1 billion into the city from 1934 to 1939. In turn, he gave federal Uh, FDR, a showcase for New Deal achievement, helped defeat FDR's political enemies in Tammany Hall, the Democratic Party machine in Manhattan, and he and Moses built highways, bridges, and tunnels, transforming the physical landscape of the New York City. The West Side Highway, the East River Drive, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, Triborough Bridge, and two airports, LaGuardia and later Idlewild, which is now JFK, were built during his mayoralty. 1939 was a busy year as he opened the 1939 New York World's Fair at Flushing Meadows Corona Park in Queens, opened New York Municipal Airport Number no. 2 in Queens, later renamed Fiorello H. LaGuardia Field, and had the city buy out the Interborough Rapid Transit Company and Brooklyn Manhattan Transit Corporation, thus completing the public takeover of the subway system. And when the city's newspapers were closed by a strike, he famously read the comics on the radio. The U.S. arrival of George and Maria von Trapp Trapp, and their children from Austria that fall at Ellis Island, who would eventually become the Trapp family singers, was another significant decade-ending event that year in LaGuardia's mayoralty. In 1943, LaGuardia saved the Mecca Temple on 55th Street from demolition together with New York City Council President Newbald Morris. LaGuardia converted the building to the New York City Center of Music and Dance. On December 11th of 1943, City Center opened its doors with a concert from the New York Philharmonic. LaGuardia even conducted a rendition of The Star-Spangled Banner. Responding to popular disdain from the sometimes corrupt City Council, LaGuardia successfully proposed a reformed 1938 city charter that created a powerful new New York City Board of Estimate, similar to a corporate board of directors. He was an outspoken and early critic of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. In a public address in 1934, LaGuardia warned that part of Hitler's program is the complete annihilation of the Jews in Germany. 1937, speaking before the Women's Division of the American Jewish Congress, he called for the creation of of a special pavilion at the upcoming New York World's Fair, a chamber of horrors for that brown-shirted fanatic. He also encouraged the boycotting of German goods, led anti-Nazi rallies, and promoted legislation to facilitate the U.S. rescue of the Jewish refugees. LaGuardia's sister, Gemma LaGuardia Gluck, brother-in-law, Herman Gluck, Hungarian Jew, whom she met while teaching English in Europe, we're living in Hungary and were arrested by the Gestapo on june seventh of nineteen forty four. When the Nazis took control of Budapest, Adolf Eichmann and Heinrich Helmer knew that Gemma was LaGuardia's sister and ordered her to be held as a political prisoner. She and Hermann Gluck were deported to Manhausen concentration camp in Austria, where he died, as Gemma learned from reading a newspaper account a year after her own release. <clears throat> she was transferred from Matthausen to the notorious women's concentration camp at Ravensbrück, located some 50 miles from Berlin. Were unbeknownst to Gemma at the time, her daughter Yolanda, whose husband also died in the camps, and baby grandson were also held for a year in a separate barracks. Gemma Gluck, who has held, was held in Block Two of the camp and assigned prisoner number four four one three nine was one of the few survivors of this camp and wrote about her time in Ravensbuck. Well, in 1941, during the run-up to American involvement in World War II, President Roosevelt deported LaGuardia first director of the new Office of Civilian Defense. Roosevelt was an admirer of LaGuardia. After meeting Winston Churchill for the first time, he described him as an English mayor LaGuardia. The OCD... Was the national agency responsible for preparing blackouts, air raid wardens, sirens, and shelters in case of German air raids? <clears throat> the government knew that such air raids were impossible, but the goal was to psychologically mobilize many thousands of middle class volunteers to make them feel part of the war effort. At the urging of an aviation advocates, Gil Rob Wilson, LaGuardia, in his capacity as director of the OCD, created the Civil Air Patrol with Administrative Order Number no. nine, signed by him on december first, nineteen forty one and published december eighth, the same year. LaGuardia remained mayor of New York, shutting back and forth with three days in Washington and for the city in an effort to do justice to two Herculean jobs. On top of this, he still performed other gestures such as arranging police protection with his personal assurances for local artists Joe Simon and Jack Kirby when they were threatened by Nazi supporters for their new patriotic comic book superhero, Captain America. After the attack on Pearl Harbor in December of 1941, his role was turned over to full-time director of OCD, and James L. Landis, LaGuardia's popularity, swept away and he ran so poorly in straw polls in 1945 that he did not run for a fourth term. Unemployment ended and the city was a gateway for military supplies and soldiers sent to Europe with the Brooklyn Navy Yard providing many of the warships and the garment trading, providing uniforms. The city's great financiers, however, were less important in decision making than the policymakers in Washington and very high wartime taxes were not offset by heavy war spending. New York was not a center of heavy industry and did not see a wartime boom as defense plants were built elsewhere. FDR refused to make LaGuardia a general and was unable to provide fresh money for the city. By 1944, the city was short of funds to pay for LaGuardia's new programs. LaGuardia was the director general for the United Nations Relief and Rehabilitation Administration in 1946 A man of short stature, LaGuardia's height is sometimes given as five feet. According to an article in the New York Times, however, his actual height was five foot two. LaGuardia was a Scottish Rite Freemason and was a member of Garibaldi Lodge, number 542 in New York City. He died of pancreatic cancer in his home at 5020 Goodridge Avenue in Riverdale Bronx on September twentieth, nineteen 1947, at the age of 64. LaGuardia is interred at Woodland Cemetery in the Bronx. And that is a look at the man who became the 99th mayor and had an airport named after him in his honor of everything that he did. Let's give it up for Fiorello H. LaGuardia. Well, next week on the program, we'll be looking at more people who have tri- contributed to the legacy of Queens. We'll make the announcement as to when that's going to, the, the, who the lucky person or the legacy person is going to be, and we'll give you that probably on tomorrow's episode 121 of the Queens New Yorker. For now, I'm Jason DeCaniel telling you Always do your best with whatever you do in life. Be honest, be real, keep it simple, and never, ever sugarcoat anything. Have yourself a great night and a great weekend. We will see you tomorrow for the 121st episode of the Queens New Yorker as we talk about the Southern State Parkway. Right now, as I did for the last three episodes, I leave you with my song, For this closing song, I leave you with some soul searching as always. Good night from the Legacy of Queens.